It is Tuesday, December 21st. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who wants to slide down your chimney and nibble on your cookies, J.P. Shadrick. Christmas still the 25th this year, right? Yes, it is. Welcome. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. My name's J.P. Shadrick. Glad you're along with us today. It's week 16. We're about to begin next week. Preparations. The Jaguars are for the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium. Busy show ahead as always. Busy two hours, in fact. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman standing by here. We'll recap week 15. The game was a piece of week 15, of course. 30-16 to 16, the final score. There was a lot that went into that week, though. Of course, we'll recap some of that also. We'll look ahead to week 16. The Jags and the Jets, the Jeff Lagerman Bowl coming up this Sunday. The Jaguars coaches show at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network. Interim head coach Daryl Bevel will join us. We'll get in his head here and uh, see what he's got in mind the last three weeks of the season. Now, of course, uh, the Texans and the Jaguars this past Sunday at TIAA Bank Field. Special teams issues, some early penalties. The defense doing what they can. they got to take away late to try to keep the team in it. Jags offense as a whole moved it a little better, but still not enough. They had key drops, some missed throws. After the game, interim head coach Daryl Bevel breaking it down. Um, you know, it really, it really ends up being a normal week. I mean, we're, we're used to all kinds of things that change, and so we have to be ready to, um, to make adjustments and, uh, and, and be able to adapt to the situation. And I thought our guys, whether it was the players or the coaches, uh, did a good job putting a plan together. Um, the, guys were, the guys were ready. They were into it. Um, we just didn't play a clean football game today. That's after the game, and Jeff Logman joining us now here on Jaguars Happy Hour. Good afternoon to you, Logs. Merry the, Christmas. The the, uh, the Logman Bowl. Yeah, this Sunday. Jets Jags. <laughs> right. You know, it was pretty pretty amazing that uh, I and I haven't done. I've never done this. Uh, when I when I say I've never done this, I think at one time I remember kind of looking at the the staff directory of the New York Jets years ago, and there were still a few people left from when I was there. And this was probably like seven, eight years ago. Business office side? Everything. Anybody. Everything. I'm talking business side, football side, (laughs) you name it. And I went back and looked the other day just to see if if some of the people that were there a few years back when I I last looked were there. There's there's nobody. Well, the only guy that is left with that organization from when I was there is Gus, which is the equipment manager now. And at that point, when I was there, he was like a, an equipment intern, you know, kind of volunteer camp guy. Yeah. And now he's the he's head the equipment guy. guy. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's amazing how much turnover. And obviously, change of ownership has happened because when when I played there, Leon Hess of Hess Oil Companies was the owner of the New York Jets. In fact, uh, Joe Fortunato, our boss man behind the controls over there, that makes our microphone stay on. He has been an avid collector of the Hess oil trucks mm. that used to come out at this time of year every year at the Hess gas station. There you go. And, but anyway, a lot of turnover, and uh, it's a def- much different organization. In fact, the organization's not even in New York anymore. No, they're not. They are not. When I was there, they were, they were at, uh, on the campus of Hofstra. i got to say, Logs, this, uh, this is my 10th season with the Jaguars in the, in the National Football League. I don't remember a week like the week we just went through around here with everything built, everything well, building well, up. What's so different the, about it? 
everything building up into the Tennessee game. <laughs> the Tennessee game happened. A twenty nothing uh, loss. The days I've after that, moved, uh, JP, sounds, I've already moved on. I've well, moved we're not. On. We're, we're JP. We're, this we're, is the last. We're on to the Jets. Are we? I'm just kidding. I don't think so. <laughs> so I don't remember one as just notable and newsworthy and just everything happening. Ownershot Khan's out in the media that week because it's his 10th anniversary. It happens to fall in the same week all this is going on. And mm-hmm. then, I mean, it has been a whirlwind, to say yeah, the least. It's, it's, it's uh, Yeah, to say the least, it was crazy. And, uh, you know, a week ago, uh, we're doing this and we're getting ready to do the Urban Meyer show. and Yeah. And uh, and we had another drama that unfolded while we were in Nashville with the report by Tom Pelissaro. And, and then you had the subsequent report. There was another report that same day from another media institution. And then you had the, the, the Josh Lambeau thing. I mean, it was just, it's just so much that was happening. And it was just like, gosh, when are we going to stop with this? When are we going to be able to focus on football when are we going to start seeing this team start to ascend and get better? And to be perfectly honest with you, I just I had literally lost hope that that we were going to get this thing kind of fixed. And 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 I give Shad Khan a lot of credit because he made the decision that needed to be made. And uh, and I'm not one I'm not one of these guys that sits there and goes, you know, I got to fire the coach, got to fire the coach. You had to fire the coach. I mean, I, it's the first time I've ever felt that way. You got to fire the coach. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you really are, are left with nothing else to do. And and look, I would support support it no matter what the decision was. But I mean, it was just I mean, it was just getting uncomfortable. And it wasn't a knee jerk reaction either. This was a process over time. JP, it, the, the the moment that the incident happened in Columbus. That's where it started. I mean, that's that's where it started and ended for me. Yeah, and that's where the first statement from Shad Khan came out. When when he's speaking during the yes. season, that says, that says something when, big. When, when ownership comes out and they say that you that the head coach has to earn the trust and respect back of the of the people that are in the building, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it, that's how embarrassing it was, and it was embarrassing because of the lie. I mean, it, first of all, you got you should return back with your football team. That was you know. Rule number one. Rule number two is that if you don't return with your football team, you don't do what you did in a bar, okay, when you claim to be heartbroken after this tremendous loss that you had in Cincinnati. And then you come back and then you you explain what happened, and it's a lie because the second video comes out to prove so. Like ten minutes after. And I don't know if this happened or not, but you would assume that the same lie that he kind of explained to to us in the media – and the public was the same explanation he probably gave to ownership. So I'm sure he lied to ownership too, or you would think that he lied to ownership too, because well, the second video comes well, out. The response from ownership, and then you got like, back, yeah, then you got yeah. backpedaling, and then you know the response from ownership, which was point on point, and uh, and then it was drama, and it was more lies, and. When the quarterback, who's you know, 21, 22 years old, shows more maturity than the head coach, that's a problem. And uh, and so the right decision was made, and now this organization can move forward, and and try to get it right this time. And and here's the thing. It's it's understandable what Shad Khan was trying to do with the hiring of Urban Meyer. I came into the league in 1989. 
1989, Jerry Jones bought the Dallas Cowboys, and then he fired Tom Landry and hired Jimmy Johnson. And he was highly scrutinized at that time because Tom Landry was a very was a, a Dallas favored son. The guy's been in the league forever, right? Hall of Famer. Yes. And very unpopular decision. Yeah. Very uh, tough first year. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy takes him to the promised land. So, I mean, I understand what, what Chad was trying to do. He was trying to do something that was maybe a little bit unconventional, unconventional of recent time, but trying to capture that lightning in a bottle with bringing an unbelievably successful, ultra-successful collegiate coach to the NFL level. And it's happened before. It hasn't happened often to where they've had great success, but it has happened. And so I totally understand it. And, uh, and we were all hopeful. We were all hopeful. But then the incident in Columbus, the subsequent issues with James Robinson, the, 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 the Marvin Jones Jr. report, the lack of awareness when asked questions about the team, mm-hmm. the lack of ability to pronounce your own players' names properly, uh, the lack of awareness about the players on your own roster, calling Dewan Smoot a journeyman. No, he's not a journeyman. He was a drafted product here in Jacksonville, and he's been a Jaguar his entire career, and he's Fifth now year. a Jaguar. Well, hopefully, will be a Jaguar in, in, the, year in the league. Yes, yeah. I mean it's so. I mean all that, and then you, you come out and say, and you lied again. You said about the decision to bench James Robinson. Well, you got to ask the running backs coach. Well, came out and admitted just recently, and we all knew at the time it was a lie. And so what does that tell the rest of your staff? When you just, you just hung out one of your guys to the media, and he's not even made available to, to speak to the media. And if he did, he would have to lie. I mean, it was just like, what, yeah. what are we doing? So that decision. Anyway, JP, get me moved on from this. I was We're trying moved. to tell hey, you, you know, on to the Jets and you just drag me we can just back into the, the quagmire The next again. 50 minutes with this. I, I kind of dig this right now, actually. Uh, so moving ahead, the, the announcement came down officially a little after 1230 a.m. Thursday. And here comes revisionist history. That all happened as well. <laughs> sure, we've seen a couple days since then of, of all that and, you know, who knows moving ahead on that. So Daryl Bevel named the interim head coach in that announcement as well, and he wakes up Thursday morning. Uh oh, I'm uh, wait a minute. I'm leading. The, I'm leading the thing here. It's Thursday. We play on Sunday. That's mm-hmm. got to be a a quick turnaround. And as you heard Daryl Bevel say on Thursday uh, when he spoke with the media, hey, yeah, we didn't. It wasn't really around the building for game planning on Wednesday afternoon, so we kind of just started the process, and then all of a sudden. Oh, gosh, I didn't know I was going to be the interim head coach, but here we are. He's got to lead the thing, and that's a tough spot to be in. Look, I, I give Daryl Bevel a lot of credit. I mean, that's that's a tough position to be in. And, uh, and look, I, I, I understand the desire to want to be a head coach, and so you, you, you never pass the opportunity up to be an interim head coach. But, wow, what a lot to deal with. Yeah. Because you're you're taking over a situation that's just had a tremendous amount of drama, and so you, you got to try to get the ship back righted a little bit, and talk to the players, and talk to the staff, and and calm the organization down from the drama that just just hit the front pages of the newspaper and and sports talk and everything else. That still are, but and yes. and oh by the way. 
uh, you've got to execute your normal job, which is extremely hard as an offensive coordinator, but you have to deal with all of that and the duties of being a head coach and all the, you know, the drama on top of the drama. I, mean, I, I give him credit. He's Daryl has handled everything so far impeccably. I give him a lot of credit. And, and, and because that's not an easy position to be thrust into. And I'm sure that the experience in Detroit last year has helped, but still, I don't think you're ever fully prepared for something like this. Because if you're, let's be real, if you're an interim head coach, it's not a great situation you're inheriting most times, you know? Well, I'd love his comment that he had when he was asked about the rotation of the running backs. (laughs) And he said, quote, James Robinson is our starting running back and he will be played as such. Answer. Right? Yeah. yeah. No BS. No Just, lies. There's your answer. No, well, BS. I don't know. Answer. Yep. Loved it. Yep. And Loved he was. It. I mean, he, was, he got 18 snaps. That tied his season high in the game. And, uh, you know, you know, he had a touchdown, all that stuff going on. So, yes, there's all that. We have plenty of time to break down the offense. We'll come back and do that. And then we have, yes. have Daryl Bevel coming up. We do. The Jaguars Coaches Show takes the place of the Urban Meyer Show. That's at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars Radio Network. We'll have a half hour with interim head coach Daryl Bevel to break down all the changes that have happened, what changes could be ahead in the week coming up, and a review of last week and looking ahead to the New York Jets where there are plenty of connections between the teams, of course. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The NFL season is hard enough just being a rookie and, and playing the position that he that he's um, that he gets to play. You know, there's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, and you know, anytime you add any more distractions or um, you know, outside interference into that. I think, he, you know, just it adds to that. Um, you know, I like the way he's handled it. I think he's been a true, uh, true professional about it. Um, he's, he continues to work and um, has been about his business each and every day. So, um, you know, I'm kind of really proud of, you know, what he's, what he's done in these last, uh, you know, over, the, over this uh, time that he's been here. That's interim head coach Daryl Bevel. And welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour. That was yesterday discussing quarterback, of course, Trevor Lawrence, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. More from Daryl Bevel coming up at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars Coaches Show in the place of what was the Urban Meyer Show. Of course, Urban Meyer out. Daryl Bevel in as the interim and plenty more ahead with Bevel. Uh, second straight year, he's been an interim head coach. He won his debut last year, though, in Detroit. The Lions had to rally in that game with two late touchdowns to win against the Bears. They didn't win the rest of the time. Uh, Bevel trying to get back on track this week against the New York Jets and get this offense going again. And let's stay with Trevor Lawrence here. He's only thrown one touchdown pass over the last seven games. And, yes, there's been a lot going on around him. But, yes, that's not the number you want to see no matter what's going on around the quarterback. Well, and when we when in the beginning of the game against Houston on Sunday, you felt pretty good after the first couple drives because they were able to do some good things. You know, you put together in the first drive of the game, you had nine plays and 79 yards. You got a field goal out of it. And then the second drive, you respond to the Texans' 98-yard kick return and you end up scoring on a James Robinson one-yard touchdown run after 
wrapping up a 75-play drive. And so you're like, yeah, okay, first two drives, you put up 154 yards of offense. Oh, yeah, here we go, you know. Could be uh, an all-time high-scoring game for this Jaguars football team and Texans, right? (laughs) Two lowest-scoring teams in the National Football League meeting. And then on the subsequent nine drives that the Jaguars had, they only had 142 yards of offense. Yeah, not good. Yeah, so it, it became a struggle, and you had uh, you had drops, you had some inaccuracies with the quarterback, you had uh, the, the the one takeaway by Tyson Campbell, and you, and you you know sudden change opportunity for the offense. Sure, and I, and I think you got it at the, what the plus seventeen yard line. Well, it was a twenty two. 22. Yeah. Okay, they got to the 17. Is that right? So yeah, they got five yards it. out of that drive. That was it? Or no, it was a plus 17. They got they started on the plus there 17. And they didn't get but five yards on the drive. You're like, wow. I mean, how can you not, you know, put that one in? I mean, that's a great opportunity there. And it just goes to show you that, you know, the offense is still struggling mightily and and you can change the coach, but the reality is it's not going to be a, a switch that's flipped that all of a sudden the offense turns into Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and you know we're scoring a lot of points it's just it's still it's still a work in progress and uh and I will say that they've got to they still have to play better everywhere it's the quarterback it's Andrew Norwell has to play better. Mm-hmm. Jawan Taylor has to play better. Yeah, we'll get into those guys in a moment. They, well, and I mean, it's just it's everybody, JP. I mean, sure. the, the wide receivers with the drops. I mean, it's just so many components have to be better. Let's hear from the quarterback, though, Trevor Lawrence, on the frustration that surrounds this season and the, the last couple of weeks. Definitely frustrating. You know, all the guys are frustrated. We want to we want to be more consistent. We want to we want to win. Um, so it's it's definitely frustrating, but. Like I said, we're the ones that control that. You know, we got to go make the play. I got to, I got to make those throws. Um, the other plays, guys got to make catches. We got to, we all have our part. You know, and um, there's no way around that. Like we all have to, we all have to play better. So, and that's the thing. You just got to look yourself in the mirror and, and figure out how to get better. And I think we'll do that. But got to really do that this week. To your point, Logs. Yes, it's not just number sixteen. Guys have to catch the ball. Sixteen has to throw it on target when they are open. There were a couple instances of that this week. Offensive line the last couple weeks has been under the microscope a little bit, and it is a full team offensive issue. I wouldn't say the offensive line's been under the microscope. I'd say that they haven't played I'm well. Being nice, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're. I'll being, let you say you're that. being very nice, JP. They they played <laughs> not anywhere near good enough and. Was it as bad as in Tennessee? No, but it wasn't good enough. And it was against a Texans team that were really not that great. And, oh, and I was guys I was, out. They had a bunch of guys out. JP, they had, they had five starters missing on defense. Five. Right. Five. Okay. Terrence Mitchell, corner. Camus Grujay Hill, linebacker. Christian Kirksey, Really good linebacker. Yeah, good player. Okay, Jonathan Grenard, defensive tackle. Good player. Good player. And then Justin, those were the four COVID scratches. <laughs> and they were missing Demarcus Walker, who is a good football player and was a rotational backup mm-hmm. defensive lineman. And they were missing Justin Reed because of a concussion. So they would normally play A.J. Moore, but he was out because of COVID. So now you're like on a third-team safety. Right, and not to mention Zach Cunningham's playing for the Titans now. He was there, leading tackler in the league last year. Merciless is gone. That was earlier in the year. I mean, they've correct. 
all that on top of those guys yeah. being gone. It, uh, and they, this I, is what happened. I will say that uh, Malik Collins, okay, remember that name. Malik Collins, who wears number 97. I, I don't know much about him as far as where he came from and where he played at in previous years. Uh but he's in his sixth year from Nebraska. He's a really good football player. And from watching the film leading up to it and then watching him play in person and then watching the film review of him, darn good football player. I mean, darn good football player for the Houston Texans, that defensive tackle. And he's a guy that I don't – like I said, I don't know where he came from, but he's a really good football player. Well, here's where he came from. Third-round pick of the Cowboys in 16 – Played there four years with the Raiders in 2020, and now with the Texans. Well, I'd be there like, you "Did you have you ever heard of him?" No, that's the thing. He's one of those guys that now all of a sudden he's. I didn't watch much Nebraska football either, but uh, you know, even in the Cowboys, I mean, he's interior lineman, right? I mean, you know, well, he's a real he, standout. Like I said, I, I don't I don't know where he's been at and and what has spurred on his development lately, but I can tell you, he's a good football player, and he's gonna be he's gonna be a good football player for the Texans in the. In the years to come, the way he's been showing it, but it, it's just disappointing because yeah. you have, you know, you, you have a great opportunity because the Texans were the worst team in the league at stopping the run. They were the third worst team in the National Football League at points allowed, and you really weren't able to score but 16 points against the Texans defense that had all those guys out and and all those problems before having, you know, not having the services of all those people that. We we, we kind of talked before the game about what we think is going to happen, and we were all kind of thinking, okay, win, and we were also thinking that the Jaguars might score some more points because of all the that, issues yes, that they had. Yes, we just talked about. Yeah, and it, it, it just didn't happen, and no. that, that was the disappointing part. But uh, they just got to keep working, and that's a, that's a hard thing to do. when you what, what are we in now, coming up to week 16? 16. That's a hard thing to do in week 16 when – you're out of the playoffs. Your coach has been fired, and you'd like to be able to get to the offseason healthy, but also play some good football. I mean, it's it's a weird situation to be in, and I hate to say this, but I was in it way too many times, and it's not fun. And everybody always says, "Well, they're professionals; they get paid; they should show up." Sure, yeah, they're humans too. Though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you know. It's been a long, tough year with a lot of drama and a lot of losing, and it's 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 not easy. And so the human element comes in. So yeah, it's and the ones that do play hard and and do play well at this point in the season, I have that much more respect for them because it's not easy to do. They're changing play callers this week. Daryl Bevel's given up the uh, the helm there, at least on the offense, and uh, letting Brian Schottenheimer dial it up. Of course, they both have coordinator experience calling plays in the NFL. Bevel's sure. taking a step back here, and Schottenheimer is going to jump in there. I, you know, the same idea might apply here, though, right? I mean, it's personnel. You might do a few things differently, but. Uh, how difficult is this going to be for Schottenheimer down the stretch? I don't think it's difficult go. at all. No, no. I, I mean, this is uh, the, the the offense. I'm sure is a little bit uh, not exactly what he would have had in, just because it's 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 you know you got the confluence of Daryl Bevel and and Shoddy, and then also Urban Meyer and and other components, other coaches have an influence. So yeah, it's a little different. But Brian's hands have been on this offense for a long period of time he's the quarterback's coach he's got a great relationship with the quarterback 
So it's natural to allow Daryl Bevel to work on the head coaching duties because the head coaching duties are – that's a lot. I mean, if you think about it, from uh, handling the football team during the course of the week with the, with the COVID thing that's going on now with all the – you know, a situation with here where you're you're replacing a head coach and you're trying to get things maybe a little bit more to your liking and the way you're running things, and uh, and then you also have to have and handle game day operations. I mean, <laughs> right, just complimentary head football coaching things. You got to right. come and talk to us on the on the coaches show, the Jaguars coaches show. I That's mean, right. it, it's a lot more things that a head coach has to handle, which is one of the reasons why. I have great respect for the coaches that can do both. And I think it's a special ability for a coach to do both, to be able to handle being a coordinator and being a head coach because that's a lot. Yeah, it doesn't happen a lot of places. I mean, some places, um, what, New Orleans, he does it? Yeah, Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Sean McVay. Uh, Kyle Shanahan. Well, yeah, there's some. You know, those guys that come to mind. Uh, you know, Mike Zimmer is still a, essentially a de facto defensive coordinator somewhat in Minnesota. Uh, Frank Reich is yeah, uh, an offensive coordinator pretty much still in Indianapolis and play caller. So, I mean, it, it, but to it, balance that and, you know, the field position game or what the defense is doing and the specialty, everything all it's in a lot. one. That's a yeah, lot. It's a, to it's, a lot, it's a lot on the plate. And I, and I can tell you this I couldn't do it. I mean, there, there's no way. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm kind of one of these guys that puts the blinders on. And I mean, and, and for the people that have the ability to to manage all of these different moving parts all at once, I think it's a very special ability, and I got a lot of respect for them. I'm giving you more credit than that, Logs. I think you could probably uh, handle uh, no, that. Come no, on, I man. could not handle that. Come on, I, I, man. No, you're, yeah. you're a tremendous slouch. Come on. Slouch, yes. We're exactly. Back, we're back in a moment. Exactly. We'll go to the uh, New York Jets. The Jaguars get the Jets this Sunday at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey in Week 16. Some familiar faces on the other side this week. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Jaguars Coaches Show. Interim head coach Daryl Bevel will join us. We'll get his thoughts about the week that was and the week ahead. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman coming up at 5 o'clock. It's the Jaguars Coaches Show that takes the place of the Urban Myers Show. And we'll hear from interim head coach Daryl Bevel. We'll get his thoughts on what has happened this past week and the next three weeks ahead. And Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good. Bank better. The Jaguars and the Jets. Well, the Jets aren't that good. They've uh, lost a couple games in a row now. They've lost, what, 11 on the season, in fact. And, uh, you know, they've got some familiar faces over there, though. You start off with the head coach, Robert Sala, Mm -hmm. of course, in his first year as the head coach, the former Jaguars linebackers coach. He then went to San Francisco, was the defensive coordinator on some good teams there. I had an opportunity to interview, I think, with Cleveland a couple years back. That didn't work out. But now in New York with the Jets, with a young quarterback on the offensive side, uh, it's, the, it's the beginning at least, and it sounds like they love him in New York. Yeah, look, Robert's, Robert's a real smart guy. I remember when uh, when Gus Bradley hired him, and uh, Gus had a lot of respect for him and previously worked with him in Seattle, so he had a little bit of experience. I think he worked with him in Seattle, had previous experience. Right. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I remember – kind of talking with Gus about that and I'm trying to remember who he was replacing uh, 
was it Mark Duffner a long time? That might have been it. Yeah, because yeah. Duffner was here. Which Duffner had been, yeah. been with <laughs> like yeah, one of the longest the tenured Jaguars coaches yeah. ever, who is now with Cincinnati and is one of the most, one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. And he's now like a senior defensive assistant with the Cincinnati Bengals. So anyway, Robert got hired on board, and, and I always liked the way he went about his business. He was kind of quiet, and, and he was focused, and, and he coached Paul Pozlesny and Telvin Smith to some of the best years uh, that they ever had, I thought. Yeah, that's right. And so kind of kind of crazy that uh, you look at that staff and you look at the number of familiar faces, not just Robert, but you look at on the, off, the defensive side of the ball – and Aaron White Cotton was here yeah, in Jacksonville. Right. He's the defensive line coach. Mike Rutenberg, mm-hmm. Rudy, we called him, yeah. is the linebackers coach there. Hayes Pollard. You remember Hayes Pollard, the linebacker? Yes. That played here? How about that? He is an assistant defensive coach huh. with the New York Jets. Okay. <laughs> and then you have. Brant Boyer, who was one of the greatest Jaguar special teams players of all time, is these their special teams coordinator. Uh, Leon Washington, by the way, okay, local guy, assistant special teams coach. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Ron Middleton. Nice. Who was a longtime tight Tight ends coach coach here in Jacksonville. Auburn, a long time in the league as a tight end, yes. A lot of familiar faces, so – with COVID, obviously, you know, as broadcasters, and uh, we're not allowed on the field anymore. But it would have been nice to say hi to some of those guys because I got a lot of respect for a lot of those guys. A lot of classy individuals, for sure. Yeah, all good people. Oh. Robert Robert's a good person, and he and he he really hired some good people. So this Jets offense, it starts with Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback, of course, second overall pick in the draft. That will be the storyline this week, uh, at least outside of here. Maybe Trevor <laughs> versus think. Zach, right? <laughs> No, it's it's the rookie row thing, kind of right. You had uh, last week with the Houston Texans third round pick Davis Mills from Stanford, which wasn't really a you didn't think about that when the schedule came out that it would be a, a rookie matchup there, mm-hmm. but he was named the starter, and so and if you look at that matchup, and then of course comparisons are always going to be drawn in each game. How did Trevor Lawrence stack up against? Davis Mills, or vice versa. How does Davis Mills stack up against Trevor Lawrence? Well, Davis Mills stacked up. Same thing is going to happen this week, mm-hmm. okay, with the second overall pick quarterback in New York, who, by the way, is struggling. And if you look at the numbers, okay, I got some for you, JP. Oh, I know you, you like numbers. Yeah. I got I got some for you. Okay, Zach, well, he missed a couple games now. He had a knee injury. Right. so Like an MCL or something. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about the, the number of attempts because that's kind of inconsequential with the games that he's missed. But completion percentage. He's at 56.2. That's 32nd in the National Football League. Trevor Lawrence is at 58.1. That's 30th in the National Football League. Yards per attempt, Zach Wilson's at 6.2. That is 30, uh, 30th. Trevor is uh, 31st at 5.8. Passer rating, Trevor Lawrence is at 30th in the National Football League, 69.3. Zach Wilson is a 66.3. The one area that from watching the film of Zach Wilson that the Jaguars are going to have to be aware of in a big way is the running ability or the extending the playability of Zach Wilson. When you turn on the film, especially this past game, I've watched the Miami Dolphins game, soon to be watching some more, but in the Miami Dolphins game, the Miami team does a good job of playing man and they can bring pressure. 
Zach Wilson keeps plays alive just because he makes guys miss that get free runs at him. He can run around. He can run around. He can run around. And if you don't cover for a while or you don't bring him down, he can hurt you. So he's a little bit like, I guess you could say, defending Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson has that ability that. Sure. to run he's around. He's best when he does that, actually. Absolutely. Wilson is. So if, if people are wondering, okay, what, what, what kind of a player is he, I'd say compare him to Russell Wilson. I mean, obviously he's not that level. Yeah. You know, but a young you know, guy trying to figure it out that uh, that can create when he wants to. Keelan Cole's on this team. He hasn't had By much the way, of an you impact. Know, you see the number year. he's wearing? What? 88. Ah, how about that? Who, who, who wore 88? With the Jets to see if JP, JP's kind of a young man. Joe knows who, Joe knows so, exactly who I'm talking about. Well, I mean, a lot of people have probably worn 88 for the Jets over the years. Who? The the Coles wear it. Lavernius Coles. No, 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 who? no. One of the great Jets of all time. I don't know how many Jets are there that are that are great all time. I don't know. I'll give you his initials. A T. I don't know. Altoon. I would never have got that. Altoon, great player, uh, was a teammate of mine and a Pro Bowl pl- uh, caliber player and uh, one of the great receivers in the National Football League in the late 80s, early 90s, and then ended up getting some some concussion issues and left the game. And a uh, lot of respect for Altoon, super guy. By the way, I was close. <clears throat> Lavernius Coles wore 87. Yes. I was one number off. Yeah, but that's not a, <laughs> I'm just saying, I knew I was close. You could say, well, you know, he wore 78, <laughs> I was one number off. You know, I was would one number off in, 10 the, off in the lottery, too. Uh, defensively, another familiar face. Quincy Williams is turned into a fantastic tackler for the Jets, second on the team behind C.J. Mosley in sure. total tackles this year. Sure, sometimes he still doesn't know where he's going. But he's going there fast. <laughs> he is going there fast. He is, and, and playing with his brother. Quinnen Williams, yeah. who was the Jets' first overall or first draft pick a couple of years ago, and and talented defensive tackle. Uh, Quinnen Williams is a beast now. Uh, the one good thing about Quinnen Williams, he's got a shoulder issue right now, and that's slowing him up a little bit. But I mean, this is a legitimate top caliber player. I'm talking one of the top pass rushing, run defending defensive tackles that there is. You know him well, JP. He's an Alabama guy. And uh, he's a stud, and he will be somebody that uh, will be tough to block. There, there's no doubt about that. And uh, Quincy Williams, who you're talking about, who was a Jaguar draft pick from the uh, football powerhouse of Murray State. Big time. Was a third-round pick by the Jaguars. And great striker. I mean, great striking ability. Could I mean, fly. And when he hit people, he had a, he had a unique ability – to just explode on contact and be an extremely big-time hitter, very forceful. His problem in Jacksonville was is that sometimes he just didn't know where to run to. And that was always an issue with some of the coaches and, and his time here. And if anybody could get him running in the right direction, you just knew that he was going to be a really good football player because he's, you know, the, in today's game, it's a game of speed. Mm-hmm. And – and a space, and with his speed and agility, Quincy Williams has those physical attributes, and he just needed to get into a place where the comfort level, from a mental standpoint, to where he felt comfortable and knew where he was supposed to be, and then he could th- he could thrive. And he's playing better there, uh, but he's still not mistake-free. 
They've got C.J. Mosley at linebacker also. Former, former first-round pick, four-time pro, pro bowler with the Ravens and yes. now with New York. He opted and, out last year, which right. you know he probably had a little rust at the beginning of the year. But uh, he's good like football seventh player. in the league in tackles this year. Like he's up Yeah, good high. football player. So that's a, that's a tough challenge this week. So uh, they're, real, the they're real young, real quick. They're real young mm-hmm. in the back end, and they had a, a pretty significant injury this past week. In the Miami game, one of their safeties, Elijah Riley, ended up being carted off on a, on a spine board, and it was precautionary. And he ended up having a concussion, which he's in the concussion protocol, so he could be out. And he was a young player anyway. And then Ashton Davis, who had an interception against the Miami Dolphins, is a second-year player at the other safety position. You got a UVA guy at one corner, uh, Bryce Hall in his mm-hmm. second year. And then you got a rookie at the other in Brandon Eccles, who also had an interception last week. And then you got, a, uh, I think, a fifth-round pick rookie from Duke playing at the nickel spot. So, I mean, you want to talk about – a really, really young secondary in New York. I mean, that's what you're going to be facing. So, so there's some opportunities for an offense that has a young passer because they are young in their defensive back end. And, you know, early reports, the Jets might have won the Jamal Adams trade, right? I mean, Adams is right. banged up right now. He's out. Well, they got Seattle's 2022 first-round draft right. pick, and they got they – got, didn't they get another one out yeah, of it? They, they got, got like two. two. Two first round picks so, out of it, so and so they they might have two top ten. Well, who picks. did they use? Who did the? What were the other picks that they had? Do you remember exactly who the other pick was, and did they already use it already? And who was it on? I'd I'd love to know that. We'll because do a research, uh, research department, crack research staff, yeah. will have to get on so that. We'll take During a commercial break. We'll and come then back. Google we'll get, it. We'll get the <laughs> no, no, our crack research staff will get on it. Yeah. We'll uh, discuss Tuesday night football. Yeah, we'll Google it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll Google it. Uh, and then, of course, the Baptist Health injury report. Some changes to that today for the Jacksonville Jaguars. A couple of players placed on the reserved injured list. And, of course, at 5 o'clock, it's the Jaguars coaches show in place of the Urban Myers show. From here on out, interim head coach Daryl Bevel will join us at 5 o'clock today. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Our crack research staff has been at it for the last two minutes straight. Trying to figure out um, if the Jets are indeed winning the Jamal Adams trade from uh, late summer of 2020. What do you think, Logs? They got a guard out of it. Uh, well, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, who uh, actually was a tackle at Southern Cal and a really good football player, and I thought he had the ability to play tackle at the NFL level. A lot of other scouts and experts that probably know a hell of a lot more than me said they felt that he was a guard and that's where he's playing at with the Jets and he's doing a pretty solid job so uh, you know they still got another first round pick coming to them this year in 2022 which will be very high because Seattle's not very good right now and uh, Jamal Adams has not had a great year this year and he makes a lot of money and that's I mean, if you're going to grade it, you have to factor that in because the more money you pay, the less of a bargain that you would say or advantage right. Seattle. Sure. 
So I, I, I don't know. I mean, you got to wait and see what what the Jets do with that. I mean, it's just like the the Jalen Ramsey trade. You you sit there and you evaluate that. <laughs> can't do that until years down the road. And really. you sit there and you go, okay, well, what did the Jaguars get for Jalen Ramsey? Okay, what have they gotten so far? They got the running back and they got Caleb on chase. Okay, and, and right now neither one of those picks have been a, a great contributor to this football team yet. And so where – and Jalen's been Pro Bowl caliber player still for the, <laughs> yeah. for the Rams. So oh, pro. Yeah. You're, you're not winning that trade right now. So, in other words, you have to draft well to win those trades, and and so far the Jaguars haven't to win that trade, and the jury will still be out with the Jets on their situation. Veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov, and let's take a look at the Baptist Health Injury Report. Baptist Health, changing health care for good, and a couple of names added to the reserve injured list today. Carlos Hyde, still in concussion protocol. He's added to the list, and he's done for the year. Rayshon Jenkins, the safety with a fracture. He's out and on a reserve injured list for the remainder of the season as well. Daryl Bevel on Monday updated Cam Robinson's status, a neck strain. We'll see how the week goes with that. Will Richardson Jr., uh, Bevel said going into the game, had a back strain, and they tried to work through it, didn't play. They'll see how that goes this week as well. But uh, there you have it, the uh, injury list piling up at the end of the season now. Carlos Hyde done for the year. Rayshon Jenkins done for the year. That unfortunate play, obviously, on the kickoff return for a touchdown and had to be carted off the field. Uh, Let's take a look at the AFC South. And as you would imagine, the standings are uh, still the same order, but it's getting tight at the top. The Tennessee Titans are 9-5 and now. The Indianapolis Colts are closing ground quickly. Eight and six, Houston three and eleven, Jacksonville two and twelve. Of course, what do you think? Well, Colts? if you look at if you look at what where each each team there that we're talking about at the top there, Tennessee and Indianapolis and the division where they're trending. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis has, if you look at JP, if you can pull up their last four or five games, they've played really well. They have a legitimate MVP candidate. And Jonathan Taylor, their running back, who had a fantastic game this past Thursday night against the New England Patriots and essentially dominated that game from the beginning. And you, if you go back to the Jaguars game in Indianapolis, we were shocked to see how little they were running Jonathan Taylor in that game with the early success that he had. Mm-hmm. They almost got away from him completely, which – uh, give the Jaguars credit. They bounced back, did a good job, but Frank Reich did not stay committed to Jonathan Taylor. And this past week, you they, they tried to put it in the hands of Carson Wentz a little bit on Thursday night, and he screwed it up. And so then they went back with Jonathan Taylor and started ham and handed him the ball, and which was a smart thing to do, and he rewarded him. Indy's but, won five of the last six, by okay, the way. Now, Tennessee, out of their last six Jeez. games, I think they've lost – Four or five. The gap is closed. Yes, they have not played so well as of late. The Titans have dropped four or three of the last four. In fact, after putting together six consecutive wins. Right. Right. That's what it is. There you go. And then their schedule coming up: Tennessee has San Fran in Nashville, Miami in Nashville, and then at Houston to close it out. Well, right now Tennessee has a problem, and that they don't have Derrick Henry, which was a problem to begin with. But their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, 
cannot and has not picked up the slack. Mm. And he's had opportunities to play well. I mean, I'm talking about he's had plenty of opportunity. This past game, the opportunity that was given to him, he failed. In the Jaguars game, he uh, he almost messed up a couple times. So he has missed some big-time things. And, if, and they gave him a pretty big contract thinking that everything was going to be hunky-dory at that quarterback position with Ryan Tannehill. And he's not the answer. He's not a franchise guy. And the longer that Tennessee sticks with him, the better the Jaguars will be in, the, in as far as the division things go. Tuesday night football, the wait, – wait a minute. That's the wrong day, Joe. It's the wrong day. Thank you. That's Monday night. Today is Tuesday, and, of course, there are two games tonight. The Seattle Seahawks visit the L.A. Rams, or what's available for the Rams – uh, Seahawks five and eight, of course. The Rams nine and four. That's at seven o'clock. Another seven o'clock Eastern time kick at the same time. Washington, what's left of the football team, heads up to Philadelphia. A battle of six and seven teams in the NFC East tonight. Who you like, Logs? And there's no quarterback in Washington. They got the, like the third backup, the, the third team guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's crazy. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, I think first of all, I think Philadelphia is going to win with all the issues that Washington has had. But I will tell you this: Ron Rivera is a good football coach. If anybody can get a team put together with a bunch of guys that uh, that weren't playing, it would be a Ron Rivera. And uh, the Rams are good now. I mean, I I think I think Sean McVay is an excellent coach, and uh, but they've got. How many guys out now with bunch COVID? Of, a bunch of guys. Yeah, I don't know. The I mean, I, I haven't seen the list of who is playing and who is not playing, so I'd have to take a look at that a little bit yeah. closer. Garrett Gilbert's going to start tonight for Washington at quarterback because Heineke, who, he? Heineke and Kyle <laughs> Allen didn't clear the COVID protocols, and apparently they had a private jet ready at Dulles Airport today. If the test came back negative from the facility, they'd go right over it because it's close to the facility. Go down, get on the private jet, fly up today, and play in the game. Neither one of them passed, though. <clears throat> so Garrett Gilbert. I think he went to Texas, Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, I, I think that'll be an interesting – how do you watch that? Is that on broadcast television tonight? I mean, can we here in Jacksonville – I think we're going to – because it's on Fox, and I think it's we're slated to get the Philadelphia-Washington game, if I'm correct, hmm. here in Jacksonville, but it's you don't, you don't get to see both. Hmm. I know that it's going to be broadcast in the local markets, and then in some, every location yep. gets one game, and we're going to get the Philly Redskins game. Yeah, right? that's that's well, right. That's I can't say the Redskins. Right? It's the, the Washington football, football team. We know who you're talking about. Yeah, let me let me go ahead and call them the Phoenix Cardinals. Too, <laughs> I, I, the other I'm team in that division. Guessing. Holy. Uh, cow. What if you have uh, by the Sunday way ticket? How many times have we heard that and? In the last month, yeah. two months, three months, I don't know. Hey, you can, if you have Sunday ticket, from the way I understand it, you'll be able to watch both. You can watch I don't have one. Sunday ticket, so can I watch Because I'm always one? here on Sunday. No, you can only watch the one designated. If you have Sunday ticket, you can but watch I any can game watch in the But I can watch one game tonight. Yes. That's, that's cool. I'm good with that. Yeah, that's so. nice. yeah I'll, I'll watch one game, and then hopefully they show the highlights of the other game. Um, Can't watch two <laughs> games at once anyway, right. right? Are they all the same time? You can if you have multiple TVs. Think about that I don't have multiple TVs. I have one TV. So can I watch? Are they both at the same exact same time? Same exact. Seven o'clock kick. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, Jags, Jets, Jeff Lagerman Bowl. What does the winner of the Jeff Lagerman Bowl get? Nothing. A deer head? Nothing. Nothing. Stuffed turkey? Nothing. Nothing. A W. That's what they get. 
Well, I, I will tell you this. Uh, draft positioning and draft order is going to be big. a big, big thing here now. It'll be a topic. Okay. No the doubt. Jets at 3-11. and 11. If, if the Jaguars win, they go to 3-11. and 11. Mm-hmm. Limit strength uh, of schedule Excuse time. me, 3-12. and 12. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so strength of schedule becomes a factor. Does Detroit go back to being at the top of the draft order? They just beat the hell out of Arizona. Houston. Where's Crazy. Houston at now? They're, Houston's a game behind the Jets. Yeah, so, I mean, it could – who knows? I mean, that's it's going to make everything pretty close there when it comes to – and that's the worst thing about it. I mean, here we are talking about not, draft positioning. Not even Christmas yet. <laughs> Uh, what do you want to hear from Daryl Bevel coming up, interim head coach here on the Jaguars Coaches Show? Uh, I, w- I want to hear a coach that's aware uh, of, of his football team. And, uh, and everything that I've heard so far from Daryl Bevel I've liked. And I, I want to talk to him about you know, the structure of how things are going to be going forward, what kind of changes that he's instituted, uh, what kind of influences he's had uh, in his life as a coach. I mean, there's a lot of questions I want to ask him. Because it's a big opportunity for him. I mean, it may not have been as planned in his career, but he is coaching an NFL team for the uh, second year in a row. One of 32 jobs, even if it's on the interim label, uh, so be it. it. It's a tremendous honor to be asked to do something like that, especially uh, and, and so far from what I've seen, he's been a great stabilizing calming influence with his football team and that's that's a real positive after some of the drama that this team has been through up next the jaguars coaches show featuring interim head coach daryl bevel that's on the jaguars radio network this is jaguars happy hour on the jaguars digital network